And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Welcome. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, so we were just talking about the general economy and just where we're going. Uh, Biden out there selling Bidenomics again. Bad move. Uh, but that's what he's doing. And we just tar- started talking about, you know, how we will be judging economies in the future. You know, how will we be looking at it? For example, when we look at the United States, well, the United States is made up of a ton of different areas with a ton of different mindsets about how those areas should be run. And, you know, you know, I mean, part of the part of what we have talked about and the country's been talking about as you take really the five biggest states and you say Texas and Florida are different than California, Illinois, and New York, mm. right? Yeah. And that's been some of the great discussion. In fact, the, is that is that debate still on? I did see where, I think it was an NPR report saying that it seemed like some of the dis, uh, uh, Newsom people were not particularly thrilled at, you know, that this debate will be going on. Yeah, I bet. So, <laughs> I bet. But uh, again, that creates that creates a buzz that comes from really that really comes from COVID. Comes from COVID, then the cultural issues and everything else, and then the economy. They're all mixed into there, don't you think? Yeah, I think Co- I think so. Yeah, Co- COVID culture economy. Yeah, right. And and so there's you know like okay. Wow, now that would be a debate. And what's that debate based on? That debate is really based on where people stand on the issues. Mm-hmm. There really isn't a there really isn't a a a personality difference there because they both have horrible personalities. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just had to say that. <laughs> Throw both of the bums out. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't I don't care about personalities. I just said that just. For, I hope I hope to get a bigger laugh when I said it. I amused myself out of it. Yeah. I don't know how many other people I amused, but I got a kick out of it. No, but it, it's really if if you want to debate based on what people view as a difference in the actual issues that matter to people, 
that's the debate that you want. It's not based on personalities. It's not based on whether you won or lost an election. It's where you stand and how you operate as a society, which makes that which makes that a different kind of debate. Hopefully, a different kind of debate. So, um, yeah, yeah sure. that. But so we got talking about the economy, and so I was just going through Drudge, seeing what Drudge headlines have, and I went, "Oh, this is interesting." Dallas Fort Worth, the new boomtown, and so it's Axios that did it. Why this story matters? Actually, they don't have it yeah. here. They have <laughs> the the uh, they, uh, they have uh, imagine San Diego, San Jose, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, and Boise all rolled up into the same metropolitan area. That would give you a sense of how many people now live in the Dallas Fort Worth uh, area, mm. and and you know the suburbs, major cities surrounding it. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, Texas is one of six states benefiting from a massive southward wealth migration, which is pulling the U.S. economic center away from the Northeast. Business expansion and relocations are fueling the Dallas region's growth, putting it on track to overtake the Chicago area and become the third most populous metro within a decade. The area is thriving because of its major airport, highway and rail access, and central location. It is also home to a number of major universities, producing a high-skilled and diverse uh, uh, workforce. The big picture, the region added more people than any other U.S. metro between July of 21 and 22, 170,000 new residents in a year. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. In one year. I mean, that goes, as I've said, in the 23 years I've been here, it, it added, uh, uh, what, two and a half million people? Yeah. yeah that's, well, that's a major U.S. city right there, and it's actually going faster there. Now, with all these things, though, this is the thing that Axios had to throw in. Hmm. Climate change, which is driving extreme uh, heat okay. and other hazardous weather, is so far not slowing growth in Dallas. <laughs> okay. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby, and truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 
You know, we're, we're going through a hot period right now. It's summer and it's hot. And it looks like it's going to be hot still for the next couple of weeks. It's been hot for a month. I tell people, because I grew up in, in, in Buffalo, but I've lived all over the country. Mm-hmm. And I've said, well, I said, you know, how I view it, and it's really July and August. That's it, really, when you think about it. Maybe sometimes a little bit into September. Yeah. When it's sure. really hot like this. Otherwise, this is a great temperate climate rest of the year and you compare that to if you live up north and what you have to go through in winter time well this is nothing it really is i mean yeah. how i view it as somebody you know who grew up in the north yeah. i'm like well no this is our winter but you know i'm out in the morning and uh can do a bunch of stuff in the morning i'm outside in the morning you can do a lot of things and mm-hmm. by the time it gets to be 11 or 12 o'clock all right you're in for the rest of the day <laughs> but if you got a pool, you're fine. You just jump in the pool all day. But it's, uh, you know, you go through it for two months, and that's really it. And the weather the rest of the year is absolutely fantastic. And and I, I'm to the point now, I actually like the heat. Now, if I had to work 10 hours a day outside, mm, no, uh, that would be difficult. Uh, but I found... You know, and and it's it's just the way you have to do things. You you have to you have to have a slower approach. Make sure that you're taking breaks and drinking plenty of water and fluids and everything else. But I like the warmer weather. Uh, the humidity has been lower, and the and the breeze has been greater mm-hmm. during this heat spell we're in, generally speaking, and that makes it a lot more tolerable. Yeah, so, but I, well, I love your climate change, which is driving extreme heat and other hazardous weather. Well, let's say it's gone up 0.5 degrees in the last 100 years. Mm. Would anybody know the difference here? No. 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 It's not like, this This is why I objected that this type of writing. Because that is a, you know, to me, that's a political activist sentence in there. And other hazardous weather. Climate change, which is driving extreme heat and other hazardous weather. Mm-hmm. How? When I first came here, when I first came here uh, 20 years ago, it was the hottest temperature they had in a while. And that was 110, 112 degrees that year mm. in 2000. Mm-hmm. And that was extremely dry, and then it rains. Yeah. And then when you come here, you realize, oh, it's either sunny or monsoons. That's why they have the lakes. Mm-hmm. To control the flooding. Yeah. That's... In fact, I saw another forecast that typically during uh, an El Nino period in the winter, it means a little bit cooler and more precipitation. So this may be one of those. Hopefully it's only rain, <laughs> uh, but but uh, cold and rainy seasons that we get. And that was the case when I first moved here in the mid 90s, the first winter or two a lot of rain and just chilly it wasn't it wasn't freeze apocalypse yeah and you know it's so i mean it's another hazardous weather we're in tornado alley mm-hmm. yeah we're where the arctic air meets the gulf air what do you expect mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's just you know so it's they you know when you're a political activist you put much more into it i don't know anyone the only thing I hear, and it's the same thing when I moved here 20, well, you got to be in Dallas, doesn't it get hot? Yeah. And people go, 
people from Buffalo. I, I went to a game one time in September at the old Dallas Cowboys Stadium. That was hot. Oh, yeah, that was an oven. <laughs> I went and saw uh, the Eagles there in 93. Yeah, it was warm. It was warm. Now you can go to all almost all the ball games, and everything is uh, <laughs> everything is uh, air conditioned now, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's just interesting. I mean how how they uh, how they uh, write it. Uh, the fastest growing town, Fort Worth, was it nineteen thousand people moved in last year hmm. to Fort Worth, Texas. So all right. Uh, so there you go. It is the I think it I forgot it was somewhere in here. Where we're saying that, um, yeah, Fort Worth added 19,000 residents between July of 21 and July 22, more than any other single U.S. city. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it was inevitable because companies uh, were taking advantage of incentives and moving here. Uh, Irving, Texas, which is just a couple of miles as the crow flies from where we sit right now, uh, has been a big draw. But also you get into uh, the Frisco area, which is north. Mm-hmm. of Dallas, and that's been a huge draw for headquarters, uh, companies like Toyota and others that have moved here. And so when they do that, then they have to attract people uh, When in, in terms of uh, filling those jobs that they have. And it just becomes then other companies look at it and say, okay, so much, so many people have already moved there. The talent pool, if we're going to, if we want to compete with other major employer uh, employers in that area, the talent pool's already there. So we can do that and incentivize. Uh, and, 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 and that's something that's going to be a cycle. I don't know how you, how you break that as long as companies see that incentive to come here and, 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 and people yeah. look at states like California and New York as unlivable. They can't afford to stay. And, and, you know, we have massive, you know, uh, in the state of Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston. You know, you look at it, uh, even Austin and how fast Austin is growing and the, mm-hmm. you know, the I-35 corridor going down through San Antonio. Mm-hmm. A lot of population down there. Even, even you know, McCallum's uh, uh, population is pretty big. Yeah. You don't sure. think it's going to be as big as it is, McCallum. And you go down there and it's like, whoa, there's a lot of people there. You look at demographically the number of people and it's huge down near the border. Yeah. And and so, but there there are still areas. For example, I mean, this is how economies go. There's a YouTube channel guy that I watch, which is basically deserted towns. He spends a lot of time in Texas. These small towns that maybe just 80 miles from Dallas that are just got nothing. There's just mm-hmm. nothing there. Mm-hmm. You know, Texas is huge. Yeah. But you go to a lot of the, so. I mean, and but when you look at it overall, and this is all gets part of how will we be judging economies in the future? Will it be the country as a whole, or will those will there start to be a bigger breakdown and more publicized breakdown, for example, how Texas is doing, how Florida is doing. I mean, I see it already a little bit, you know, because we're having the discussion because it's almost well known. There's a seems to be a comp and it shouldn't be a competition, but it naturally is. Capitalism causes that competition. And you've heard it the last year or so about the difference between Florida, Texas, California, Illinois, and New York, how they handled COVID, taxes, business, budgets, everything else. And I just wonder if that's how it's going to be judged more than just the overall country as a whole. I know you and I started looking at state GDP about six, seven years ago. 
and we always bring that to everybody's attention. All right, here's the GDP of you know of the states when the numbers come in, mm-hmm. uh, which sets it apart. Problem with GDP is you can cover it up with with uh, uh, stimulus spending, mm-hmm. where it's not actually. Uh, you know, are you becoming more productive as a society? You're moving money back and forth, which counts towards the GDP, and you're not looking at, for example, durable goods and services that increase the productivity because it's productivity in the creation of wealth that actually drives an entire economy. Right. If you don't have that, you don't have a good economy. Right. And so the GDP is a figure which, you know, that's why Biden's out there selling Bidenomics and infrastructure spending, infrastructure, infrastructure, invest, invest, invest. They believe that if they throw a ton of money, well, then the GDP will go up. But what they don't realize is inflation also goes up. And by doing this, what they think will help an economy, people now view it, what, as hurting an economy. Of course. And it's, but they don't have another game. They don't have another playbook. No. What are no, they going to no, do? You're, you're, and so they're out there selling the same thing. Yes. Well, we're going to spend more money. We're going to spend more money. It's it's like when uh, who was it uh, last week? Uh, was oh was it the, was it the Fed? Was it Atlanta Fed that came out and said you got to stop the spending? Uh, you, you, yeah. Was it the Atlanta Fed? The Atlanta Fed came out. You got you got to stop the spending. You got to stop the spending. You you can't you can't be doing these stimulus projects. These stimulus pro- would basically, as I call it, stimulus investment. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. investing. We're mm-hmm. investing. No, you're spending government money. You can't do that. You got to stop doing it. You're borrowing it. It's going to increase inflation. You can't do it. Janet Yellen comes out and says, "All right, we've seen what they've said. The problem is, so we're going to borrow and spend more money." Yeah, exactly. What do you do? No, they it, don't. It, it's they like don't have another playbook. They just don't. There is no scenario where someone like a Janet Yellen. Or Joe Biden steps up and says, hey, we're going to expand drilling and we're going to encourage private sector investment by deregulating and lowering taxes. Because if either of them stands up and says that, uh, someone needs to check on them. (laughs) 866-90-RED-EYE. Making sure students have healthy meals as they prepare for the upcoming school year. Our broader approach to school nutrition is to show that we're supporting school nutrition operators in every way we can, while also working to move the ball forward on making school meals even healthier and tasty in a measured and achievable way. Agriculture Deputy Secretary Sochil Torres Small with Reporters Monday, discussing the Healthy Meals Incentives Initiative and grants announced for school districts reaching students in our nation's highest need schools. The funding from USDA's Food and Nutrition Service is allocated as grants from Action for Healthy Kids. The organization's CEO, Rob Bisegli, explains. Action for Healthy Kids has awarded $30 million to subgrants to 264 school districts across 44 states. The awards assisting small and rural school districts with modernization of school kitchen facilities and improvement of nutritional quality of meals. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Well, uh, you now have the uh, the story uh, out there. It's just drip, drip, drip every single day. Uh, FBI agent lied under oath about knowledge of Hunter Biden laptop and talks with Facebook documents uh, reveal. Jim Jordan was all over the place yesterday saying that uh, San Francisco-based uh, FBI special agent lied under oath about discussions he had with big tech companies that suppress the New York Post reporting on the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop hard drive before the 2020 election. According to an internal Facebook document, Evan Chan made false statements about his communications with Facebook over the bombshell October 2020 reports that revealed Hunter involved his dad Joe in business deals with foreign nationals. Internal communications obtained by the House Judiciary Committee show a Facebook employee said in an October 15, 2020 message that he had spoken to Chan, who said he was up to speed on the FBI's probe of the Hunter Biden laptop and that there was no current evidence to suggest any foreign uh, connection uh, or direction of that uh, leak. And when you look at it here, the conclusion, Jim Jordan flagged at least two times the FBI special agent appears to have lied in his testimony. Mm. Uh, Chan's claim, I was confident that I was not party to any meeting with social media companies where Hunter Biden was discussed outside of October 14th. The truth is, uh, Facebook official internal message on October 15th, uh, Facebook said they spoke with uh, Elvis Chan as a follow-up call to October uh, 14th. I asked Chan whether there was any update or change since the discussion on October 14th. Uh, and go see what they actually talked about. And then the claim that uh, Hunter B- on Hunter Biden's laptop, I found out through the news media, I had no internal knowledge of the investigation. They found out that was false based on the internal memo from Facebook. Yeah. Looks like he lied. Wow. Yeah. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Good morning. Well, what we have here, uh, we just mentioned every every single day there's something else coming out. I mean, the Mm. the Jim Jordan yesterday, I thought he was going to have a heart attack (laughs) when he was talking about the FBI agent lying under oath. Big deal, though. Yeah, sure. You you look at it, and from the documents that, that, uh, that I've seen as to what uh, he said, it. If you're going to be blunt, it's a lie. Yeah, you know, there's a, a lie in there. So we'll see where that goes. Then the other story yesterday: Hunter Biden's former friend and longtime business partner visited the Obama White House and then Vice President Joe Biden's residence dozens of times between 2009 and 2016, likely to make him the next target of the House Oversight Committee's investigation into Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. Does this now go to Obama? Because you have to ask the question. And we talked about this early on during impeachment number one. 
that the State Department knew and was very uncomfortable with what Joe Biden's job was yep. and Hunter Biden being on the Burisma board. Yep. Clear conflict. The conflict of interest bothered people in the State Department that made sure the White House knew about it. Why did the White House never react in any way? Why did they allow Hunter Biden to do what he was doing and still keep Joe Biden as the point person on Ukraine? Right. You don't want to shake things up and draw attention to it, I guess. But what happened in 2016? Joe Biden wasn't the, and and typically would have been, the nominee. Vice, a two-term right. vice president essentially is ushered you know, through the process during the primary all the way to the top. But he wasn't. Was that the slap on the wrist? Fox News Digital previously reported that Eric Schwerin had visited the White House and vice president residence at least 27 times during Joe Biden's vice presidency. However, a more extensive review found that Schwerin actually made at least 36 visits to the White House and to Joe Biden's residence during that time. Uh, Schwerin uh, was a founding partner and managing director of Hunter Biden's now-dissolved firm Rosemont Seneca Partners when he was appointed by then-President Obama to the Commission for the Preservation of Americans' Heritage Abroad, an independent U.S. government agency, In early 2015, Obama reappointed him to the commission in January of 2016. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hmm. Hmm. Eric asked for one of these the day after the election in 2008. Hunter Biden revealed about uh, Schwerin's initial appointment in an email uh, on March 13th, 2015. The number of Schwerin's White House visits could be much higher than 36 if any of his meetings fell under the White House voluntary disclosure policy exemption of purely personal guests due to his handling of the Biden family's personal finances. The White House would not release access records related to purely personal guests of the first and second families. The Obama administration's uh, archived website says one of Schwerin's visits in November of 2010 was a sit down with Joe Biden in the West Wing. Schwerin also visited Joe Biden's residence at least 15 times for various holiday receptions, according to the December 12th holiday reception in 2015 that came a couple of days after then Vice President Biden's infamous trip to Ukraine where he threatened to withhold $1 billion in U.S. funds. Wow. But now they're looking at Schwerin now. He's the next target. Will they bring him in for, for testimony? And are the Republicans trying to tie him not only to Biden, but are they trying to bring Obama into this too? Well, but you have to... Got to ask the question. You have to ask the question because there's no way that Obama wasn't aware of it. We know the State Department was in contact with <laughs> yeah. the White House on yeah. of their concerns of what Joe was doing. Well, and and this is what we have talked about, too. 
um, outside of the former administration, those in Congress in the Senate and the House, Democrats, that have been in office for a number of years, that were in office then, had to have known about it. This is this is why you you're not seeing this rush to the door of everybody going. Oh well, sorry, we're going to separate ourselves from from Biden. I mean, I'm guessing if everything came down and all the evidence and the money trail and everything were just solid, you would have the media going, well, we didn't know. Beltway, even the Beltway insiders that have been around for years, we didn't know. Oh, the New York Times did. Yeah. And then then Nancy and Chuck, well, we're just as shocked as anyone. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's just horrible. But until then, you stay quiet. Well, we were wondering whether where they were going to go now on this, and we said, oh, probably next it's the money trail. But yeah. if they're looking at uh, Mr. Schwerin, it's like, okay, they're not done yet mm-hmm. attempting to mm-hmm. connect the 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 dots of where Hunter's business partners were and who they talked to, right? Because if it if it includes Biden, because that's the question you would have to ask. And we had talked about this when the impeachment one first started, and we said, "Well, wait a minute. Here's what we know." And remember, we brought the the stories out there that existed about the members of the State Department who had contacted the White House, extremely uncomfortable because of Joe Biden's position hmm. in Ukraine to straighten up the corruption and his own son, you know, sitting on the board of what everybody knew was a corrupt oligarch in Ukraine, mm-hmm. the head of the head of Burisma. Mm-hmm. And so they were extremely uncomfortable about it. So certainly the White House knew about it. And didn't clamp down and say, Joe is no longer, you're no longer, we're putting, uh, you know, whoever, the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. whom anybody else is going to be the charge of Ukraine. You can't do it with your son having that particular job. Right. Can't do it. Sorry. Right. The rumors are too great as to what's going on, and I don't need that in my administration. But then, if Schwerin's visiting him all the time, Obama, and these are White House visits, are they White House visits to see Joe Biden or are they White House visits to see, you know, because a lot of them were separate from going over to Biden's personal residence outside of the White House. Right. So what is what is what is Comer looking into would be the question. And how long does this part of it now stretch out? Because now they're going to be talking to Schwerin and I don't know, if, you know, if Bob Yulinski is going to be pulled in again. Or who else you have out there? I don't even know. There may be names we haven't even heard of who worked with Biden. And they haven't been brought in yet. All I know is, I, you know, I believe after McCarthy said that a couple weeks ago and mentioned impeachment inquiry, that they believe that they're on the track where they have enough. Well, Where, where they can safely t- start yeah. talking uh, uh, about that. Because that process... Imagine they came back in the fall, right? They come back after the August break and 
they get closer to that. And then all of a sudden it starts to come together in the fall. The impeachment inquiry process is going to bring so much evidence to the surface. At some point, Democrats have to abandon ship. And if there is anybody left, uh, you know, to answer your question, if there is anybody else out there that's even close to or was close to that fire, then they're going to have to talk. Otherwise, they're going to be implicated in, in whatever it is. Because either you knew and you didn't stop it and who had that ultimate power? Obama. Barack Obama. Or you're going to try and get away with, I didn't know. Because that's where we are now uh, when this story came out. All right, they're seeing if Obama was involved in it and they're close to releasing, you know, much more evidence of the actual wire transfers, mm-hmm. the actual what they are claiming is illegal banking that was done, whether it's money laundering or what mm-hmm. other charge you want to throw at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's where they're going. And we saw in the Sunday morning news show where Raskin really couldn't say anything. Right. I think they've I think they've sort of uh uh thrown what's his name overboard, the other guy. I can't think of his name. I've got mine blank here. Mm. Uh, uh, Goldman? Gold, Goldman. Yeah. Goldman. It's like every time he speaks, it's mm-hmm. like, if I, and when I hear <laughs> Goldman, stop talking. When, when I hear <laughs> Goldman speak now, I put myself into the position of his lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. I, I because I'm yeah. like, okay, how's he going to blow it today? And he start talking. It's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Now I don't want him to shut up. Well, it's just, I put myself as if I was his lawyer going, Dude, shut up. You know, you're not well, helping the case. I, you know, you, it, it just makes you want to ask him, how much is the GOP paying you? <laughs> somebody said that. They go, is he? I think maybe. Oh, I know somebody wrote me because remember, somebody said we have a mole somewhere. Oh, yeah. That we, yeah. we must have a mole in the White House because of. And somebody said he's probably a Republican mole. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's it. Every time he talks. Right. He just keeps throwing. Biden under the proverbial bus. But when you see Raskin, they have they have really nothing right now. And, no, and they've, no. they've gone from just, you know, two and a half, three weeks ago to, no, he knew nothing. We stand with him. He knew nothing about his son's business activities mm-hmm. to now. It's the narrative is, and it isn't this much anymore that because it, it was, oh, poor Joe. He just loves his son so yeah. much. Yeah. And his son took advantage of yeah. him. But Joe didn't know anything about it. And now it's to the point Joe loved his son. And so, yeah, he knew what was going on in some of the business activity. Nothing illegal. But he knew what was going on in his son's activities. Uh But understand, he was just doing it because he loved his son so much. So leave the family alone. This is personal. How dare you get involved with the love between a father and his son? I mean, that's really where it's gone to now. Yeah. It's like, really? You're going to try to sell that one, huh? Well, not going to happen. Well, if if love if love of the sun meant illegal influence peddling, I don't care. Yeah. Let's be blunt. Yeah. If that's what love of a son is, well, since I love my son so much, uh, I'll help him break the law. I knew I knew it was all, it was his only 
earnings potential. <laughs> he was he was going through so much of his money on cocaine, he had to recover some of it somehow. Would you want the other choice where he was stealing from stores in yeah. order in order to keep his habit going? No, right. I found him a much more productive way where we were able to take money away from those oligarchs. That's right. It wasn't people here giving him money. Right. It was people from far away giving him money. Didn't affect our economy. <laughs> Bidenomics. <laughs> 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And we were talking about the economy, how the president's outselling Bidenomics again, and you know, and and using the same figures that again have been very controversial because he's using yeah. figures of 13 million new jobs, and of course that's not true. What happened was when he became president, we still had a lot of jobs that had not come back because of COVID. People left those jobs and then went back to those jobs. Right. So those actually weren't new jobs created. It was due to that. But we have said, wow, it's just amazing that they're trying to sell it. And we read a Washington Examiner uh, op-ed piece that was stating what we said. He does, They don't seem to get it. It's inflation. Because it doesn't matter whether somebody's employed or not. It's whether they're underwater at the end of the month. Yeah. And I thought, wow, the, I just went to the Babylon Bee and they have the perfect headline. This really explains the mindset of the White House. White House says Bidenomics is so successful the average American has twice as many jobs as they had two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see her saying saying something no, like that. No, that, that, that actually right there that I could hear coming out. I know Jean Pierre's mouth. I know. Yeah. Well, wow. It's the truth. When was the last time people could have two jobs? Yeah. <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.